Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for once more showing us mercy and bringing us up today, O oh God. We thank you for the Advent. We thank you for bringing us today, O oh God. We pray as we share your word, Heavenly Father, you shall bless all of us. Speak through me, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Praise God. I thank the church council and venerable Sam Ike, my other friends, the priests, for giving me opportunity to stand before you this morning to share the word of God. The topic is the reign of the Lord. The reign of the Lord. Go through general introductions concerning that. We look briefly at the Jesus Christ as God, as a true man and true God. We also look at how we mix, we mix this worldly and eternal reign. And we look at our verses today, the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And then we stop. Praise God. When we talk about the usually... The church usually produces a bulletin and a handout where the church liturgies are well displayed. This time around is the Advent. If you don't, if you don't look at those church calendars and Advents, when your children ask you what they mean, you wouldn't know. And you start having problems with it. Some of us don't look, this is Advent. And what is really Advent? Because the church has two books which we look at very critically. The Bible and the Book of Common Prayer. In the Advent, we share the long preparation of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live in the expectation of the Christ's return. Because we have already witnessed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we are expecting is His coming. Praise God. Look at Jesus Christ as king. Before you reign, you must be a king. Is it not true? And also have a geographical location where you are reigning. You don't just reign. You reign, you must be a king. Because Jesus is just true man and true God. He's true man and true God. So as a man, look at his own CV. One. Jesus was born in the royal town of Bethlehem in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. I'll read. So Jesus also went on from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He belonged to the house and line of David. So Jesus was qualified as a king through the lineage of what? David. The second one is his adoration by the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. There I say, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. We don't just bow down to anybody. We bow down to kings and we bow down to rulers. Then they opened their treasures and then presented what? Gift to him. The third reason why we should know that Jesus is true man and true God. He is reigning as a man, 
he reigned as true God. His triumphant entry into Jerusalem, which our priests read in the scriptures, which we are going to look deeply as we go on. The various individuals and churches and organizations addressed Jesus Christ as king when he was on this earth. Even Jesus himself acknowledged that he is king. When Pilate asked him, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said what? As you said so. He agreed that he was the king. Then the crown of thorns that was brought by the Pilate over him as the king of the Jews, in Matthew chapter 27 verse 29, he said, And then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Surprisingly, they put a staff on him and knelt before him before they could mock him. They didn't just put a crown and then mock him. They knelt before him and do what? Before they could also mock him. If you look at Matthew chapter 27, verse what? 29. Finally, Jesus revealed who he is and where his kingdom is in John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servant would what? Fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. By now, my kingdom is from what? Another place. So this is the background of the Lord Jesus. In spite of his very tremendous CVs of ruling as a king, he rejected all of them. We now look at what Jesus, what our people did. Even though Jesus rejected those crowns, People still did not understand why Jesus is doing the same. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. The sons of Zebedee and their mother. I think they must be very good politicians. The mother of Zebedee's son came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asked for a favor for him. What is it, you ask? Jesus said. Grant that one of the two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left of your kingdom. Even in earth, now, some of us are still looking for that kingdom. Looking for worldly things that will eventually uplift us. That is not what Jesus Christ is talking about. The other time, the disciples in Acts of the Apostles, I was actually surprised. In Acts of Apostles, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, where Jesus has already resurrected, and people have all said the disciples followed him all this while. Look at what they asked Jesus Christ. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, 6 and 7, somebody who is reigning, they asked him, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? People who are supposed to know. So sometimes in our spiritual life, we really need to be on our guard to understand when we miss it and when we also need to be on the line. He said, we you at this time. So it means that even what Jesus was preaching and teaching all this while, the Bible said, they, not one of them, they asked him, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Which means they don't understand the reign of the king. They don't understand his geographical locations. So let's look. Where is really Jesus reigning? So when you say he reigned, where and how? 
Currently, where Jesus is reigning is in our individual life and the people. If Jesus doesn't reign in your life as a person, stop looking for any geographical location and territorial boundaries where he's reigning. He's reigning in your life as an individual. That's why you see in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, the Bible says that the king's heart is where? In the hand of God, and he turneth it wherever he wishes. I was here when we were praying for the election in Anambra State. When that prayer point was mentioned, the church, those who were not praying before joined. Those who were not praying before joined. And I knew that that prayer was answered. Is it not true? There was no lose of life. So God reigns in you. Can, you as a Christian, you as a child of God, can actually know that God can reign in the life of an individual. And you can manipulate that individual. That's why some of these cult people use the same spirit on other people. You can manipulate the heart and the kind of it. When you understand how God reigns and where he reigns. Even in our... Even in our team this, this year about Matthew chapter 28, Jesus also appeared. When he appeared, the disciples did what? Worshipped him. And he told them that all authorities in heaven and on earth has been doing what? Given to him. Then he gave one instruction. That is the theme of this place. Go ye into all the world and do what? And make disciples of all men. So Jesus himself talked about ourselves. So when Jesus is reigning, especially in this church, church has provided for us avenues of these instructions. By what? There is always a weekend outreach. When I mention this in Ask Yourself, which one have I participated in? Weekend outreach. We go for hospital visitation here. And then there's neighborhood evangelism that are done by what? By the men and women fellowship. If you have not participated in any of these things, after the church service, you wait. The service we talked today talked about the passage and triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Let's go to that place. Matthew chapter 21, and we look at the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. That is the verse we enter and then we will gradually round up. The passage there exemplifies the reign of the Lord. How Jesus reigns in individual life of every person. Go to that chapter. Let's start from the beginning. One, Jesus reigns and controls the disciples and the owner of the donkey. He just sent a message that he needed a donkey tied. Immediately, the man who owned the donkey, what did he do? He submitted, is it not true? He released the donkey completely in their life. Is there anything the Lord is telling you that you should release for him? When I read this thing in Igbo version, they say that that's how it was translated. That this horse, I mean this donkey, 
nodi onye nwanyi mpa in your life onweli ihe di onye nwanyi mpa na nduge onweli ihe di onye nwanyi mpa na nduge jesus has noted it. jesus is trying to reign in your own life the disciples and the owner of the donkey they allowed him and obeyed him praise god god cannot do anything on you until you give that permission he does give us a free will i was talking to one professor one day concerning his salvation he told me he's waiting for a time when something that happens to paul on the way of damascus will happen to him so that he will shout i say prof prof why thou persecuted me such a thing doesn't happen If you are waiting for that way to get your salvation, it is not going to happen. Everybody has we have been preaching on this pulpit and on the door, you have been hearing this gospel. Nobody is going to knock you down and keep you blind for some days before you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It will not happen. So if you are waiting for such an opportunity, just Jesus will reign in your life as he reigned in the life of these individuals and make them to believe in him and obey him what completely without word question that is the reign of the lord on their life so ask yourself is there anything that have been asked of the lord which you have not entered then the other next thing we notice that is the humility of the lord jesus christ which we also read during the collect there were two ways to travel in those days either with a donkey or with a what or with a horse the horse originally was made for war and for kings But Jesus took a donkey in humility and entered into it. Well, a donkey is slower and gentle and they moved about. So he also needed other people to participate in that. The Christ choice of a donkey was because of the slow motion so that people can follow instead of a horse that moves so fast. The Lord needed it. What does the Lord need from you? Your life, your time, your talent. Are you ready to release them? Just as the donkeys was released. If Jesus is reigning in your life, there are absolutely nothing that is left. When I look at the life of Solomon, I found out in his own glory, many wives, everything about him. And I ask myself, where are those things now? Even the temple has even been broken. What is even left of him is those gospels he preached. in the scriptures so that everything i have and everything you have will eventually fizzle away fizzle away i've also looked at people who have also gone before me in this profession what they did what they accumulated and eventually they have all perished so i just asking myself sometimes when i relate like this i'm wondering whether to get out or do something but it reminds us that look everything we are doing is going to end here No matter how hard you try, even if you make a street named after you, after some time people will be asking, "What is this thing? Who is this person?" Because time goes over. So when Christ reigns on us, He makes us understand the uselessness of this life, the shortness of this life, and the end that will eventually come. Let me also tell you something that was tell. When I last some Christmas ago, I just went to. dig a place and put meat there 
and buried part of those things there. When I come next and I see some ants and all those moths there, and those ants and moths were, I was just looking at them, I was wondering, is it not, it's also around the place I've told people that they should bury me anyway. I don't know whether I have found a place you'll be buried. And I'm wondering whether these ants, if they exist, they will still eat up my corpse and eat up myself when I die. Is it not true? Is it not true? Yes, so when I ask him myself, and some of them may not have even eaten the flesh of a professor before. They will just enjoy the whole thing. And that's how the end is going to come. So these are the realities. Even though it's not interesting, but you should know that these are the realities of life. That one day, everything we have, if Christ is not reigning in you, and once that thing happens, that is the end. And there's no other way you are going to move on in this life. And once those realities continue to occur to you daily, you now realize that, look, you, are, you, you, you think. There were a group of old men who were 99 years and, and, and in their 90s, and they were asked, what would you do differently if you were able to pass through this life? Some of them say they will reflect more and think of whatever is going to live after them eventually. That is most important thing. When Christ reigns in you, you think of eternity and you don't think of something that will go off to you. Then the other thing there is that they did as the Lord instructed them in obedience and then they brought out their clothes and their clothes and spread, that is a loyal homage, and spread on the road. Then the big question is, after all this triumphant entry, people now ask, who is this? Is it not true? They ask Jesus, they ask, well, when something is happening, what is happening? Who is this? Even at that particular moment, they didn't even realize who Jesus because they still called him the prophet. Because Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 16 verse 13, when he asked this, because at this stage, Jesus now asked people, who do people say I am? So it's the same question that now rose there. Who do people say I am? Some say Elijah, some say prophet. Peter now gave what we call the great confession. Jesus is true man and true God. If you don't have anything, you are going to just remember that Jesus is what? True God and true man. Then Jesus entered the temple areas. When he entered into Jerusalem, at that part, I hope you are still on that Matthew 21. When he entered into Jerusalem, what happened? Where did he go first? To the temple. If a president comes to, Niger- to Enugu, where would he go first? To the governor's house. He ignored all the other place and moved into the temple. That what attracts the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody who is being who is whom God has taken over his life. He should always be attracted to the things of the God. So he raised and entered the through area. He owned his boundary, no courtesy call, no he was focused on the temple. So what did he do on the temple? The action he took on the temple was to wipe out sins and iniquities. Thieves and people were playing around in the temple and were selling. So when Christ is reigning on you, in your place of work and wherever you are working, you should as much as possible do what? Fight in such a way that all iniquities and everything around you will. He drove out sin, corruption, and immoral life, and then bribery. He, lay, he reigned in the life of those sinners and was able to rebuke and to war, to correct. 
How did, why didn't, I was now asking myself, why didn't those people push him away? Why didn't they throw him off? How can he as a single person come up and then, as a single person then come up and, there was one word he used, it is written. If you look at it, it is written that my house should be a house of prayer. It is written. And once he mentioned that, he kept everybody that was quiet. Because even those people who were selling those people also know that it is written that whatever they are doing, we are wrong. So, so, and they were convicted in their hearts that whatever they were doing, so they withdrew. So when you get to the word of God and understand the word of God and it has an impact in your life, it is written, whatever is written must be done what? Obeyed in your own life. Praise God. So we see in that long passages the obedience of the disciples, the obedience of the owner of the donkeys, and the choice of the donkeys, the response of the crowd into the triumphant entry, and the proclamation of Christ as king. When I was coming to this church, around that uh, zoo, they have already started decorating and decorating and putting flowers for the, because of the advent. So these are the church histories. I'll tell you a little story before I stop. When I was a younger person in secondary school, I wanted to learn how to dance in the real sense of it. So we were brought out. Then the teachers and the people who were supposed to teach us how to dance were watching us. And I was dancing with all my heart. And then what happened is that once they put, once they point you, they tell you to go this side, they point another person, go this side. And when we were appointed and to go this side, we judge, because by that particular time, we don't even know whom they have taken and who they have not taken. So at that particular moment, I was told to go to one side. The other person also, another group were told to go to the other side. It was at the end of that that they now told those of them who were even on my side that you can now kindly go back to your hostel. I was rejected. I was done what? Rejected. Completely. And as I moved towards the, as I moved towards the hostel, I was actually not seeing the ground. I felt so sad. And that will show you the sadness, the happy, I was still not happy with you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered this story to tell you. I'm telling you. So, that is exactly what will happen on the last day. People will be separated into two groups. Who likes to be rejected? Who likes to be hurt? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It will happen. And because of that rejection, I have always not been happy. Anytime I was, I always feel for somebody to accept me. But God made it very clear that a group of people will be rejected on the last day. Just as I was rejected as a dancer. So look into your life and ask yourself, there are two scriptures that actually consoles me when I was younger to look at 
to make sure that God himself accepts me in spite of my weaknesses and life. It's in Luke chapter 12, verse 31 to 32. There is written, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So I now say, so God in his own mercy is also pleased if I'm part of this race, I'm part of this kingdom. No matter what you have done in life, God is telling you, you want to, we want you to be part and parcel of this kingdom. The other one about rejection is also seen when Jesus said that all the Father has given me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will in no wise do what? Cast out. These are, so it means God wants me. It means God can accept me. It means God, in spite of what I have done, will accept me in my condition and forgive me. In the same way, God can do what? Can accept you, forgive you, and whatever you have done in the past will be forgotten and written off. It is only when you have accepted him as the Lord and Savior. Bow down your head for prayers. Just look into your life as a person. Don't look at any other person and ask God, am I going to be part and parcel of those who will be rejected on that day and told to depart? This is the Sunday, this is the Advent Sunday. It can be your bad day today. And it is so critical and easy for you to remember on the Sunday, on the Advent, that is when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are going to do so, just place your hand on your chest and tell the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life. This is totally another opportunity for you to do so. And God in his own mercy shall come to you. He will not reject you. He will not, he will not throw you away. In spite of what you have done, what Jesus needs from you is to come to him that he will take over from you. I, 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 I,